Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I have to look you in the eye. Right, here we go. This week, we mourn and look back on the life of Billy Neal and Stevie Chalmers as Celtic lose two icons within the space of a week. We also cover Billy McNeil's managerial triumph in the 1988 Centenary Cup double, and we look back at the Kilmarnock game, look forward to Aberdeen, and discuss the Celtic Player of the Year awards. All this and more on the latest episode of 20 Minute Tims. 20 Minute Tims, episode 178, and I am joined by Martin Melly. Hello. And Stephen. Hello there. No, Stephen, no surname. And I am. <laughs> everyone knows Melly's surname, that's his wee <laughs> trademark. Uh, and I am. I am Jamie. Um, a bit of a, a bit of a mixed up week for the old Celtic support. No half. Uh, mixed up's putting it mildly. Um, Celtic v Kilmarnock. It was emotional. Uh, Celtic celebrated the life of the past captain Billy McNeil, who who passed away. Um, we sort of missed this. We had our, our podcast out last Monday, so this was our first chance to discuss it on the it podcast. Hours later, basically. Uh, yeah, hours later. Um, I mean, Billy McNeil was Celtic, wasn't he? He's one of these mythical figures that is, is sort of passed down a generation I was thinking about this when I was I was actually at the football with my dad for the first time in a, in a long time and I could see my dad was getting emotional about mm, it and you're yeah. like these are like your dad's and your grandpa's heroes these are the guys who when you're learning about Celtic as a wee guy you're told about so they they, they are you know they are mythical figures and, and to see them pass away well it's not it's not a huge shock really because no. we, we've known about Billy McNeil's illness for quite some time now but it's still hard to take when it when it comes around, you're never really fully prepared for it. And as you say, that they are the larger than life, the myths, the the legends. These guys, Billy McNeil was the manager when I started going to the mm. football, so he was the first big Celtic figure that I was ever aware of. I recorded a podcast, um, an episode of the Breakfast of Champions last week, and I talked a little bit about it. But I'll not go further into it because we're we're a week down the line from yeah. Billy McNeil's um, death now, and. I think we've all, like, the support as a whole, have had a chance to kind of process it in their own way now. They've they've kind of dealt with it and it's not a case of moving on, but I think everyone has kind of dealt with it in their, in their own way at this stage. But I talked about it during the week there and I talked about various connections between uh, my family and Celtic figures from, from that era. And what I came away thinking was that the previous week, I had done an episode of Breakfast of the Champions where I got to talk about Billy McNeil having won that one club man award the previous week mm. from Athletic Bilbao. And I was quite grateful for getting the chance to do that because it meant that the week before his death, I got to talk about him 
in other terms that wasn't worrying about how ill he was yeah. and all that kind of thing. I got to talk about him one more time as the, the footballing giant that he was. Uh, it's no, you know, it's no exaggeration to say that Billy McNeil, for a lot of fans, for every fan today, he was Celtic. That's exactly. As soon as you think of Celtic, one or two thoughts after that, it's always Billy McNeil. Yes, I'm the same as you. My dad, that's how I learned about Celtic. He was always spoke, spoken about. And he's one of those guys that when you just say his first name, you get it. My dad was always Big Billy. Big Billy just talking about this absolute leader, gentleman. That's what he was. He's a leader. He was a manager. He was a hero, an icon. The guy's just immortal. And when you think about Celtic, you think about Billy McNeil. And I like the same when they say, the idea isn't to live forever, it's to create something that will, and mm. that guy is is immortal from that. He's an absolute icon of this club. He's one of those weird cases, one a, a unique case maybe, in that there's nothing you can say about Billy McNeil that's too much, but there's yeah. so many things you can say about him that don't quite that don't yeah. don't measure uh, up. There, there are hardly any words I can think of that would be far too much. You wouldn't you wouldn't pick any word and you'd think, well. You're, you're going overboard there about Billy McNeil. There's nothing you can say Aye, that right. even comes close to doing the guy justice, whether it's his life or his career. Celtic Celtic Park was absolutely packed to the rafters against Kilmarnock, and for a guy like Billy McNeil, you could have had three or four times the capacity, and it would no, have, and it would have been packed out. And that is a measure of the guy. And that was that was the passing of one Lisbon line. And just as you start to process that, and the club start to process it, you get the news through today as we record this that. Stevie Chalmers, the, the the scorer of Scottish football's most important goal ever. Well, everyone who listens to this podcast knows I love a tap-in and he scored <laughs> the greatest tap-in yeah. ever scored against Inter Milan when he diverted that ball over the line. Yeah, it's been it's been a, a really tough week for Celtic fans because, as, as we've said, it's like you got the chance to, to react in your own way to Billy McNeil's passing. It was in his family's wishes, it was celebrated mm. at the game. And then everyone, as I say, it's not moving on is the wrong word, but you, you, you sort of you put it behind you and you think, right, Billy McNeil, and then, and then Stevie Chalmers dies within within a week. That isn't yeah. it? Within seven days, it's been it's been a tough old week. The guy is just synonymous with that goal. Yeah, just the winning goal and that. I mean, the two guys, like because the Lisbon lines are so sort of accessible sort of thing like because you can see you know the story about how they grew up so close to Celtic Park they were all Celtic uh, fans so that he always gave you that wee that wee hint of a dream that that could be me mm. they they lived the dream like Billy McNeil's life's incredible and Stevie Chalmers will always be the guy that scored that goal and if you look into Stevie Chalmers a bit more, his goal scoring record was absolutely unbelievable. Two hundred and sixty odd goals, including the biggest one ever. I think it's bit, nearly better than one in two games. Mm. It's unbelievable the what these guys done and just the, the eulogies that are coming in. It, it just shows these guys were just humble, respectful guys that lived a dream, and that's all we can ask of them. There was a lot of talk during the week about you know retiring, specifically retiring the number five jersey and, and retiring Billy McNeil's strip. You know that there's that that is a romantic idea, but a, a lot of people also put forward the argument that you shouldn't do that because although that strip might weigh heavy with the history, it, it can inspire future generations and it can be there. You know, if you're Celtics number five, you can look at a guy like Billy McNeil and see everything that he achieved, and it gives you something to aspire to. And in that respect, I really think that it would it wouldn't be a good idea. I don't want to see the shirt. I like to see the number passed down. I like yeah. to look back at the number sevens and the number fives and, and these number nines at Celtic. And I don't think that that is a sort of 
you know, there's other ways to mark Bellingham. You know, he's got the statue. Obviously, yeah. I just I don't think retiring the shirt is the right thing to do. I think in a strange way, the f- number five has never seemed like as big a deal as it has been this week. It's yeah. never it's never been up there with the seven. It's never make or break someone's career like it has been the, the number seven. Um, but retiring the jersey, no, I agree. I don't think it's it's the right thing to do. It's, well, it's a nice idea, but it doesn't really work in practice. But it would be a strange thing to do that after a death. Because mm. how that traditionally works in American sports is that it's retired right away after the yeah. person has retired and therefore no one else ever wears it. Generations of players have worn the number five since. It would be a, a weird way, a kind of messy way to just get rid of it now. And I, as you say, I think it's, it's something people can aspire to be known as as we saw in this particular game. It, it was a big day at Celtic Park. You know, the, they had the Lane of the Wreath at Billy's statue. They had Hail Caesar up on the front, the brick front of the, the stadium. And then the stadium, there was a sort of, there was a, there was a weird atmosphere. and they had somber, wasn't it? Uh, it was a bit somber. They had the five out in the strip and they were singing Ness and Dorma, which gets me every time. And, and I was looking about and there genuinely was guys near me yeah. with tears in their eyes yeah. about it. You know, this is one of their heroes, a guy, as we discussed, that they watched up. There, there must have been a weird atmosphere in the changing room. It must have been a, there must have been muted spirits and a, yeah. and a sense of real occasion for the game um, and pressure on the team. Oh, huge! Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys will have been around Bill McNeil quite a bit, especially Scott Brown, especially guys like James Forrest mm. who have been there for years. Have been Neil around. Lennon. Yeah, well, of course, Neil Lennon. These guys have been around Bill McNeil for for years, especially James Forrest. Like most of his life, he'll have been in some way connected to to Bill McNeil in a professional sense rather than just being a fan. And it's it, that kind of thing's got to weigh on on players. It's one of those things where you simply have to go out and win on one of those occasions. It's been a thread through Celtic's existence, one of which we're going to talk about a wee bit later on. But it's one of those the times where you absolutely must go out and win for yeah. for the big man, basically. So turning our attentions now, really, to the game, the lineup came out. What were your thoughts? Uh, just the usual. The only <laughs> just same the, as I've been thinking for the last couple of weeks. That's pretty pish. <laughs> the fullbacks again. You're just like, oh, come on! But we don't really have any choice. No, hanging Rogic came in foreign cham, which completely failed after his absolute nightmare yeah. last week. And Scott Sinclair comes in for Johnny Hayes. Apart, there's not much else we can do with that team right now. We're just, I think we're kind of running on empty. Yeah. Everybody can see it's the end of the road for this team. We're just stumbling over this line and again the performance for one of a bit word it was pish again it was absolutely brutal sitting there I know we got the win in that and it was a good way to win great way to win but it was just more relief than anything else the game was not enjoyable in the slightest Stephen but, what made it so pish for you as Melly <laughs> would say uh, it wasn't it wasn't the worst performance I've ever seen but it's the, the attacking tactics are becoming frustrating now mm. As you say, the lineup tactics is giving it credit, my man. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sinclair comes back in for Hayes, and but I'm still thinking, why are those two guys the only options? Why is it only Sinclair or Hayes? Think of the amount of players that are just not featuring now, like Burke or Weir, who Lennon has since said that he f- sees them as wingers, but yet they don't feature at all now. Weir, in fact, had tweeted or put put up on Instagram, Instagram, yeah, the, the previous day saying. Uh, good luck to the boys. They're obviously, revealing that he wasn't going to be involved. I don't think Timo will listens to this podcast, but see if he's out, Timo. Less Instagram, more training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the tactics themselves are becoming frustrating because Neil Lennon has once again come out and said that he's not changing the system. He's merely tweaking it to involve more crosses. Mm. So you're not changing it, only tweaking it to change the 
the fundamental ideas yeah. around the attack. That those two things don't mix. But but see in Neil Lennon's defence, in Neil Lennon's defence, particularly in this game, Kilmarnock were very Kilmarnock are so well drilled. Like oh, yeah, this is are, why yeah. we call them Robo Clark. <laughs> because that team yeah. are of German precision. As soon as Celtic enter the final third with the ball, Kilmarnock defend really deep in two banks of four. What Celtic have to do to get around that is move the ball quickly, move the ball from side to side and try and create gaps in, in Kilmarnock and pull them out of position and hopefully catch somebody. That is what we should do and that's what we've done under Rodgers but under Lennon we're getting the ball into the box and teams like Kilmarnock, teams like Aberdeen will eat that up mm. because they have centre-halves who their only job is to do that. We don't get the balls in between the full-backs and the centre-half. We don't get like the amount of goals we used to score when we got to the byline and we cut back, Stephen used to ejaculate over them every week. <laughs> the tap-ins, where are they gone? Exactly, it's Aguirre just putting balls into the box and spoke about it and at the match with Sean, he's like, he's just putting these balls into the box and thinking, I've done my job getting a ball into the box, but we don't have a striker who's going to bully defenders and get on the end of them, so what is the point? What, what Celtic lack, from what I can see, is they lack pace in their passing they lack mm. that everyone says zip oh they lack zip what what I mean by that is they're not getting the ball to other players quick enough they're lingering on the ball for some players are lingering on the ball far too long some players are not lingering on the ball long enough mm. I was watching the game you've mentioned as a Gary I think you Melly described the one Melly at the match as uh, a 50 year old man playing fives that was Sean that said that right? Sean Melly at the match that's for... friend of the podcast Sean McDonald yeah. of the Blethered podcast of course he was on Melly at the match this week a 50 year old man playing fives and I thought that's exactly what he looks like on the other side we have the same yeah we, we have we have Michael Lustig and I was watching him and for periods in the first half he was getting forward and he wasn't having any luck doing it hmm. now I don't know if it was manager's instructions or his own ideas, but then he limited the amount of time he spent going forward and just became what effectively was a wall for other players to bounce the ball off and get it straight back. And I don't know if this is a metric that you can measure footballers, but I want someone out there to dig out the stat of how much travelling with the ball Michael Lustig does Mm. because he gets it and he'll take a step and either give it right back or launch it forward. Did his hands full with Liam Miller all day as well because he's he's pretty quick and yeah. he, he got the better of Lustig several times in that game. Which might be why he wasn't venturing forward so much. It was obviously a tactic from yeah. Clark. Where I sit, and it'll be the same on you, seeing the second half, I've said it so many times in the podcast, the ball comes out of him and he doesn't even change his body no. shape to look like he's going that way. He's always got space to drive into it, which means Forrest can get out wide and he can cut in or he can go out wide, Forrest can cut in. But he's just not interested. It's back into the centre half and he directs over the other side. And it's a big problem when we've got that on the other side. So the balance is the same on both sides. And that is why we're struggling to break teams down as well because we don't have MD going forward. We we used Tierney. Sinclair went inside. Tierney went on the outside. We're just not doing that. What you're saying about the passing is right. And I think it's systematic of the team right now that with so many players, with so many players not willing to take shots on when there's opportunities, there's so many players not make try to make that incisive pass. So many players not try to take teams up players on because there's a severe lack of confidence in the team, which means there's a severe lack of belief in what they're doing and what they can do, and it's just systematic because again, the best players in the park were probably the two centre halves and Scott Brown, the three deepest players, mm. and that's been a lot recently. 
just on his Aguirre, Craig Herald tweeted us after the game, that's at dingybow1985, watching Izagiri yesterday was like playing sensible soccer on a 4K TV. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Melly, you says that Celtic are not taking, taking enough shots. 27 shots the team had. Now, how many of those ricocheted off of the first defender? I'm not sure. Um, we only got six on target. Same as Kamarnock, they got six mm. on target. Kamarnock had chances to score yeah. and better chances in the first Aye, half. Chris Berg should have scored yeah. if that was a sitter. Good save on Bain again, right enough. Full, yeah. full credit yeah. for Bain, but it's Chris Burke should have absolutely buried that. That was McGregor and Jozo. It bounced back off Jozo, but McGregor turned his back on the shot in the minute, but goes through to Buck. They had another couple of chances. Eamon Brophy went through. Was it uh, Stephen O'Donnell had that dive? Uh, Scott Brown. Hmm. They they are a good team. They are well drilled. They do know what they're doing. First half, it was fairly even, but Celtic, yeah, you, again, look at stats, 27 shots, but see, being at the game, it's a totally different story. You can watch that. you're that. denying facts again yeah, for the second is. week in a row. Watching the game... A very on Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watching the game, like, there was no point, there was ch- 27 shots, but only maybe one or two of them, you thought, we should have scored that. There was nothing. The thing that changed this game was when... I think it was Edward had a shot. It got blocked. It broke to Cal McGregor. He had a shot blocked by the keeper. It breaks out to Edward. He's a shot blocked again. And Kilmarnock cleared the ball out. See, from then, that lifted the crowd. And that is what we haven't been doing for a long time, is getting creating chances, nearly scoring, and getting the crowd going. That wee buzz you get when you feel it's coming. We haven't been doing that. I think it's fair to say, though, that the crowd are very, very tense at these games. Yeah. And you know, with the whole change of manager and the situation, there's a perception that, you know, Neil Lennon's team aren't performing as well as they should. We touched on it last week, Stephen, yeah. from an advantage of, what was it, eight points clear? Yep. Now nine. Yeah, nine points. Yep. We're now only nine points clear. Neil Lennon sort of hit back at his critics saying that, you know, the form towards the end of last season was mm. almost as bad as it was this season. So I had to be dig back um, towards last season, which wasn't a stellar season, to be fair. So 10 games in, which I think Neil Lennon took with 10 games to go, we'll give him the last 10 league games. Right. Last 10 league games last season. Celtic beat Rangers 3-2, drew with Motherwell, beat Ross County, drew with Dundee, narrowly beat Hamilton Academical, lost to Hibs, pumped Rangers (laughs) 5-0, beat Hearts, drew with Kilmarnock and lost to Aberdeen. So that wasn't really stellar form either last season. So It wasn't. I remember this time... Last year we were taught the 5-0 game at Celtic Park was where we won the league up to that and the 3-2 game. It was terrible as well. Mm. But we said if they beat Rangers and win the league at Celtic Park, all is forgiven. But you could see signs of things last year that the team needed refreshed. It didn't happen. And now this year, there's nobody that can say that team just doesn't need refreshed. I mean, it needs about five or six players. And I'm not talking about just bringing in brilliant players. It needs different players because it's not working anymore teams know how to play it see the crossing stuff now I, I know I joke quite a lot about how much I enjoy a tapping but there's a reason behind that it's because if you score a tapping if you score an easy goal it's because your system has worked yeah. your system has bought you that easy goal how many goals do Man City score like that where they're just they pass teams to death open them up and then all of a sudden they've got always got someone there to knock yeah. it in it's pretty much always Raheem Sterling or Sergio Aguero just to knock it over the line that was working for Celtic. I've been talking about it all season. Like, cutbacks and tap-ins, cutbacks and tap-ins. So many of the times I've said it. But that's been abandoned in favour of really 
low percentage crossing stuff. Yeah. Now, crossing isn't a bad thing in itself. I saw Leicester's... I know, I know Leicester. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> I saw one of their goals at the weekend was a cross, but James Madison took his time and picked his spot to 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 pick out the run of Telemans, who's, who scored the header. That's fine. What isn't fine is just getting to a certain distance from goal and then just Whipping punting it, in. it into, the, into the box. Doesn't, Edward doesn't, doesn't like those either. Does this Griffiths? No. He's a rare striker. There's no denying it. You know, the stats speak for themselves. I think this is one on the crosses where the where Melly's eye test, as he calls it, does is backed up by stats because average crosses a game, according to the great Celtic by numbers blog, um, they've done a thing on this, has gone up from 15.8 a game under Rodgers to mm-hmm. 24 <laughs> crosses a game Quite under a Neil jump, Lennon. Yeah. We're all sitting here slagging crosses, though. Was a cross that won is the game. Yeah, very true. That's that's very true. Yeah. Um, Second phase, my corner, just just not quite that. <laughs> McGregor had an absolute daisy. He just rolled along mm. the ground to the first guy. Like, why? Why does this happen when it's stopped <laughs> somewhere? But to be fair, the ball breaks back out. Rogic brings it down, and it's a great ball in. And Jozo at the back post. It was an absolute bullet head on, written in the stars. Much has been made of it, and uh, we just two weeks ago we were talking about how Jozo hasn't scored for two years. Mm. He's only ever scored two goals, none, none of them at home, and it's it's this one of those things that I'm not going to get overly romantic about. It's it, unbelievable. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's absolutely it's unbelievable. Like, it's like, see, even if it was Boyata, you'd be like, ah, he pitches in with a goal or yeah. two every so often, but it doesn't wear that number. But for Jozo to do it on this on this day of all days, he said before the game that he wants to score for Billy. He's going to be up for every corner and every cross, but. You know, if you don't know what we're talking about, Celtic's current number five, Jozo Simonovic, leapt like a salmon at the back <laughs> post to nod home with 67 minutes on the clock. Do you think salmons are good in the air? I, d- I don't know. I They're can't very good. It. Have you ever seen a salmon leaping? Yeah. yeah. It's all muscular and rubbery. and it's Connor salmon? Connor salmon. <laughs> <laughs> up, up like Connor salmon at the back post. Um, 67 minutes on the clock. Or was it the 68th minute? No, it was the 67th minute. Wait, what? Oh, God. Let's not get into this. <laughs> that debate online is one of, one of the most unfortunate things I've seen in a long time. It, it was that technically it was the 68th minute, yeah, but, but that's okay because it was 67 minutes on the clock. Um, my other favourite thing is when people go, you couldn't write it. Honestly, see if you sat me down and went, write a pishy story about the game today. Aye. That would exactly be what I would Aye, write. And your teacher would have thrown it out for yeah. being too far-fetched, yeah. but no, no chance. <laughs> Some crappy Celtic fan fiction, and that's exactly what would have came out. But we did score. Great Deserved. Goal. I'd say so. We, Kilmarnock sort of retreated in the second half for Celtic. They were a better team throughout. Kilmarnock had a few chances on the break. It was just a case of breaking them down. And even after the goal, I mean, before that, Rogic had one where he, it was good play, went through it. Again, just hit it on the right foot. But he tried to, he prefers it on the left, so he lays it over to Edward and it just drifts away from him. It's just things like that. We just need it just to click in one game. Every day you get that wee bit of confidence up and it will go on, it will continue on, but it's just not happening. But I think Celtic deserved deserved the goal, deserved the win. Just before it, it was just, it's got to come, man. It just, you just felt it after that chance, after Rogic and Edward. Sometimes you fe- you fear it's not going to come, but with this one, it's coming. You could feel it in the crowd. But what a goal to do it as well. Just couldn't have been any better, to be honest. Again, for the for the second or third week in a row, it, it looked as if, though, we've abandoned a, a clear and structured system in favour of just relying on the best players in the team mm. being better than their other best players. And 
those two players that we seem to rely heavily on were Forrest and Sinclair in this match. How do you think they performed? Both poor. Both yeah, very poor. Yeah. A, James Forrest got substituted for Johnny Hayes, who didn't have much time but didn't really create much. Scott Sinclair on the other side didn't create much at all. Just like a guy who's been out of the team for a while, a guy a bit low on confidence. I think it's his only second start under, under Lennon. Lennon. Yeah. The other one was in Dundee in March, I think it was. We touched last week on how I mean, really, that is bizarre. Bizarre yeah. for a mainstay like that to be to be more or less bombed out. There was a point in this season where Scott Sinclair was, was absolutely banging the goals in. Yeah. He was absolutely on fire, but he's only scored one since his hat-trick against St. Johnston, I think that was, in, in February. He seems to have gone completely off the boil to the point where I think it might be it might be curtains for, for Scott Sinclair. But... He's got one hat-trick left in him, boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. As I said earlier, I don't know why those are the only two options considered when we have so many wingers there. But uh, that's that's for another day. Before this game, Lennon was talking about how negative everyone had been about the team's performances. But you started it, Neil. Like, he was the he was the one last week who came out and said that the players have got bad attitudes and they're all playing like they're on holidays. No games were played between him saying that and saying <laughs> everybody's been negative about my team. There is a lot. I, I do feel a bit of sympathy for him. This is my Neil Lennon love creeping back in after <laughs> I denounced him last week. But just sitting in the stand and hearing people like, you know, maybe it was just my personal experience, and this is this is a, a somewhat of a sidebar, but I wasn't in my usual seat, and there was a woman sitting behind me, and I apologise if you know who this woman is, but I think it's indicative of the feeling in the stand. Every misplaced pass, if Tom Roderick dropped to the left and she wanted him to go to the right, come on! And you're like, and that that wasn't just her, but she was triggering me, but that, that was the general feeling in the stadium. Every misplaced pass was made by groan. I think Celtic fans are just a bit on edge at the moment. Yeah, yeah. That's due to the team not playing well, but see, a while back, well, I remember speaking about, we got the early goal, and that kills the other team's game plan, allows the fans to relax, allows the players to get the ball down and play. We haven't done that for mm. a long time now. We haven't done it at all under Lennon. We seem to be creeping towards later in games, trying to get goals, and it becomes a bit panicky, because if we don't win that game on Saturday, and then Rangers go out and win on the Sunday, you start... You start thinking yeah. about it more, and yeah. as I've said again, Joe's old man of the match. Fair enough, but the week before was it? I was man of the match. It just seems to be the guys at the back who do their job well, but they're the ones that are standing out in this team. Nobody that's meant to create anything has stood out in mm. many of the games. The defense has been good for weeks now. Um, the season, uh, yeah, and credit to Neil Lennon for that definitely because I think a lot of eyebrows were raised when Benkovic can't get in the team recently. A lot of people I, saying I just completely forgotten about him. Yeah, I forgot exactly. he existed, and we've forgotten about him. There's no reason to put him back in the team just now because the players that are there are doing very well. Jozo especially, he's completely turned it around. He's he looks like a different player since Lennon has come in. I wasn't convinced. Still, I'm still not convinced. I still want Celtic to definitely go out and strengthen the position. That boy Ayer's a good player. Right yes, good he, player. he is a very, <laughs> very good player. But Jozo, you could have got rid of him. I think I sat here just a few weeks Aye. ago and said I'd get rid of everybody apart from Ayer and Tierney and Today just start again. It's also National Jozo Day as well. Is it marks the anniversary yes. of that tackle? Oh, when he, sent, right, when he sent Kenny Miller into orbit, <laughs> of course. But then at the heart of this, the defence playing well is Scott Bain as well. Scott Bain has conceded oh, a couple of good saves. Yeah, a couple of good saves again, and he is 
only conceded seven goals all season since he's coming. <laughs> he played a little bit before he took the place altogether. I think he played some of the cup games at the start of the yeah, season. He, he conceded against Patrick Thistle. Um, but since he has taken the jersey, he's barely conceded any goals. Seven all season. Three of them were against Valencia, and one of them was that Snyder against Motherwell, oh, which you can't really blame. You can't really blame him for any single goal that Celtic conceded. Interesting on that goal. Did you see the Leeds Aston Villa game where the, one of the teams yeah. done that and the other let them score? Oh, oh, they? <laughs> Did you not see that? It was really good. Yeah. It was exactly the same scenario. Leeds scored when Aston Villa had a man down. Right. And nearly it was nearly World War Three on the pitch. And uh, Biesla, the Leeds manager, instructed his team to let Aston Villa score. Snowflake nonsense. <laughs> well, I'll tell, I'll tell you something. I, I might be wrong here. I don't watch a lot of the championship, but I read after the game on Twitter that drawing that match meant Leeds didn't go up that day. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Sheffield yeah. United. Uh, Sheffield United happened. went up automatically. So if they don't go into the Premier League because they're a team of snowflakes, <laughs> as Stephen says, <laughs> they'll be rioting on the streets of Leeds. Who, Scott Baines came in. Whose place did they take? Craig Gordon. Where is that guy? I don't know. No, been... Why don't you ask me? Where is Craig Gordon? Can you remember my three bold predictions at the beginning of the season? Yes. What were they? Craig Gordon will not be number one the end of the season. Craig Gordon will not see out the season, and it's because I predicted that that he is now he's, he's somewhere else. I thought you had an actual reason. Oh, right, did you? Know? <laughs> I was just trying to big myself up. Um, must be must be injury. No, I don't think so. He's in the training uh, pictures. He's on the pitch after games training. So, so Neil Lennon's just a, just another one that Neil Lennon doesn't fancy. Mm, do you want to be theory? What? Because he doesn't respect the sanctity of man. <laughs> I, I think that's been discussed on this podcast yes, before. It can't, it, there's no way it can be the case that Lennon just doesn't fancy him as a keeper. But there's no reason to bin your second choice keeper in favour of your third choice. There's no reason no. to do that ever. But he, he just must... Neil Lennon, it's quite funny because Neil Lennon has come in and says, no change the thing. And then you start to look at it and go, playing quite differently. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Sinclair doesn't get a game anymore. Lots of players are no the same. team. <laughs> Chris <laughs> Buck, eh, Chris, Ollie Buck's not played. Ollie Buck's not mm, you're changing. You're changing <laughs> things, Neil. You're changing things. Anyway, we won the game. Yeah, and that, again, should be celebrated. It was a great win to get on on that day of days and it keeps the keeps the train rolling and it's kind of one foot over the line now. Yes. I'm a bit of a negative Nancy on the team's performance and all that, but See when that goal went in, the sheer relief. Mm. The three of us at the game were hugging like maniacs, and we needed that one. We did need it because it's such a weird image, hugging like maniacs. <laughs> How do maniacs so hug? threatening and intense? <laughs> uh, it was sheer relief at the end of the game as well because we need to get these games won. If we had a draw in that game and then going away to Aberdeen, going away to Rangers, it was going to get a bit squeaky bum time but we got the win ground it out and hopefully we can relax now a bit because Aberdeen next and they're getting it no, Aberdeen are getting it definitely all we need now is a single point one point Melly put his finger up there for us <laughs> so we know what one point is a single point against Aberdeen away at Pataudry Canter as I say Aberdeen are getting it absolutely, <laughs> they're absolutely getting it there's no, no doubt about it Aberdeen They've not really got much to play for. I think their third choice is all but confirmed. Well, not quite. Kilmarnock no. can still definitely catch them, but... As beating Kilmarnock did them a favour. Yeah, definitely. So Fully uh, expecting it. The sheep will be shagged this weekend <laughs> and we will go on to win the title. Aberdeen don't really... They did get that nothing each draw very recently written off in a drab affair, but... I see Rangers finally beat them to keep, to keep the pressure on us. Rangers yeah. finally beat them in Glasgow for the first time and I have figured out... You know... 
You know, Stephen Gerrard's got like a bee in his bonnet about Aberdeen. He's, he's like really... Oh, yeah. yeah. He, it, it just, it's super, it was the minute, right? It was one of their first games not against Aberdeen. First game of the season. Aye, and he's like, ah, oh, well, we, we're a class above Aberdeen. And I'm like, why has he got it in for Aberdeen? And I remember, and this is true, Derek McInnes knocked back a Rangers job. <laughs> so he did, yeah. So he knocked back the job that Stephen Gerrard's got. <laughs> so he's, he's got Stephen Gerrard's sloppy seconds and he's raging about it. That's why he's got a beanie's bonnet with There'll him. be people at the club as well telling him about how Stephen Gerrard can't possibly care about Aberdeen in any, no. any rivalry sense, but Jimmy Bell and all that will just be like, oh, this, this once happened between Rangers and Aberdeen, so go out there and give it to them. Uh, just the 17 penalties for Rangers this season, <laughs> yeah. incidentally breaking a record previously held by us. How many games, no one will know the answer to this, but it's more rhetorical, but in how many games have they had multiple penalties this season? Oh, it seems like well, every so couple of weeks. Just, just ladling on penalties, <laughs> just ladling them on. I feel Wait. like barely a week goes past without Tavern- Tavernier having scored at least two penalties. Rumour has it he doesn't even know how to pronounce his own surname. <laughs> just call him Tav. Um, there could be another story in Celtic season. Um, Lee Griffiths has returned to training. When I mean, he's not, how long has he been out? November. Three, now, yeah. It's uh, it would be unlikely. Although Neil Lennon did say that he's getting back into condition really yeah. quickly, so he might have been looking after himself. Obviously, we did a fitness test to play the game at the weekend, so a further week down the line, possibly. See, to be honest, we could do with the option up front because mm. Edward is not really getting much uh, service. But if uh, we've got Griffiths on the bench, is that option? He's a guy that will take that pot shot I'm talking about, where instead of thinking about it, he'll just take the shot on and even if he misses, if the rebound comes out we get it from that, it would give everybody a wee lift, it'd be good to have like a guy of that you can call on the bench and he, he's done it against Aberdeen before like he's done it against everybody else It'd be good to get him in against Hearts Yes, Lord knows he loves a goal against oh, Hearts yeah. uh, get a couple of games against them coming up, uh, but nah I don't, see it. I don't see him featuring at all this season, it would it seem very strange um, even with Bio, unfortunately, out for the season. <laughs> Stop it. You leave him alone. I believe Griff, the Griff will be back before the end of the season. You think so? Do you think he'll play any more football before the end of the season? No, it, it would be nice. It would be nice to see him back, but I just thought, I don't see the sense in it just, just now. Unless the, the league is, is sewn up um, against Aberdeen. Do what you like after that, frankly, <laughs> to be honest. If you want to give Griffiths a game, if you want to give Hoopy a game for all I care, bring Chris Commons back for that send off. We we've, got, we've got to go to Ibrox the week after Aberdeen. Oh, yeah. Uh, don't even get me started on that one. Very true. This weekend, uh, Celtic also had the Player of the Year awards. Um, how are those voted? Is it by the club or the fans? Uh, the fans. The fans. So it's voted by the fans. Obviously, the top goal scorer award isn't voted by the fans. That is no. the person who scores the most goals. Celtic have done it again. Have they now? They've given an award to someone who might not finish the season's top scorer. Now, it was put to me yesterday by at James and Jules on Twitter that they actually measure it from award ceremony to award ceremony. Oh. That's ridiculous. That's not a thing. <laughs> that's like having a tax year. Like top scorer, <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. It's, it's for the season, and yes. they've given it to someone who is currently what two goals ahead of James Forrest with four games to yeah. go. He might not end up top scorer. Aye, but look, it's just when they have the player of the year award. They need to work with it, don't they, Melly? Mr. Contrary Killjoy here, eh? It's not contrarian to say it's a fact that he <laughs> outscored yeah, very got, easily. You know, I've got I've got to step in. That wasn't contrary, that was just very, very straightforward. Um, yeah, Odson Edward wins the. The top goal scorer award. Who won it last season, Melly? Scotty Sinclair. Scotty Sinclair. Um, player of the year. Now, for me, it was between two players. Forrest. Yep. And McGregor. But 
For you, Stephen? It was always McGregor. Yeah, I've been saying for, for a while now that McGregor was my only choice. I wouldn't have been upset if James Forrest had got it. I would have understood. But um, Callum McGregor has been pretty consistent with one or two you know, slightly lower standards of performances throughout there. But I think he's been brilliant all season in the main. And I'm glad he's been recognised despite the fact he's hardly scored any goals. It's not It's not been based purely on that because you could easily give it to someone like James Forrest based on goals. Callum McGregor has been recognised for his just his overall contribution, which has been immense, Aye. even just away from goals. I think he is the best player in Scotland at this current stage, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad he's been recognised for it. It's really good. I mean, Kieran Tierney has won the Young Player of the Year how many times over the last three seasons? Now we've got Callum McGregor up against James Forrest for Player of the Year. This guy's coming through yes, our youth team. Yeah. When was the last time to? Scottish homegrown players in our team are going up against each other for the player of the year. Yeah. It'll be a long, long time back before my time, probably. So it's good to see the fruits of that. If uh, Just be pretty good if we could buy some good players and all. Goal of the season, awarded to Scott Brown. Fair. I, I don't know if Scott Brown's ever won a goal of the season award before, but that was a... F- bit too far out for me. <laughs> no, I'm not really into that. No, no arguments there. An absolute howitzer. Yes, a thunder bastard Indeed. melee. Yeah, no, I don't know how uh, Kilmarnock didn't stop it. I've kept on St Johnston one. That <laughs> uh, was a great goal. The only one I, well, reason I don't agree with that is because we missed it because we were late getting to the game, didn't we? Oh, was that us coming back up from Newcastle? Like Newcastle yes, oh, damn, so it was. And this is the award I was waiting for. Young Player of the Year. Uh, and there was only one name I wanted to see on that award. I've been talking about him all season. Kundai Benyu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're wrong. It was actually Christopher Iyer. And thank goodness he won it because I've been singing his praises for a long, <laughs> long time. However. There always is. <laughs> let me just ask you something. Odson Edwards should have won that. Big player for us this year. Only 21 years of age. He was born in 1998. <sighs> I know. I remember it's, the World Cup. <laughs> that always makes it. Just all the more stark in my mind when you list a player's, not his age, but the year he was born in. I think, oh Jesus, what was that? I, I was playing FIFA 98 <laughs> the year he was born. I was playing computer games when he was born. I was playing FIFA 95 the year he was born. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't afford FIFA 98. <laughs> FIFA 95, that was the one where you basically just got to the edge of the box, the corner of the box and shot and it went in every single time. And you could run away from the ref if he was trying to send you off. Sounds like Neil Lennon's playing <laughs> FIFA 95 at the moment. Did you agree with the young player of the year though? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I think Ayer's been, been brilliant. He's lost his place for a while to Benkovic, but I think since he's come back in before and after Benkovic, the Benkovic era, the brief yeah. Benkovic era, I think he's been excellent, um, particularly towards the end of the season with his partnership with Jozo. I know that's been fairly brief as well, but he's he's kind of been the one constant throughout the whole season. Yeah, he's he kind has. of been the one who's, who's played, I know I've just said he lost his place for a while, but he has, he's been in and out, but then he's just, he's never really dipped. He's been kind of done whatever's asked of him. He briefly played midfield at one point, which was kind of strange, but no, I, I can't argue with it. Yes, Edward has scored a lot of goals, but still glaring inconsistencies there, I think, on Edward's part. Guys, I have a quiz. Oh, there we go. Very, very tenuously linked. What's the prize? Well, well, to TB arranged. <laughs> <laughs> there is no prize. <laughs> yes, it's tenuously linked to the Player of the Year awards because involved in that ceremony was the man we talked about last week, Dion Dublin. Yes. He was up to, I think, help present it. Yeah, well, he's, up, he's a TV presenter. Was he yeah, Homes Under the Hammer or something? Ideal yes. for it. I did invite him on at the podcast via Twitter. Pied it. Rude. <laughs> That's uh, never As coming I'm on. As blacklisted, yeah. No, no way back for Dion Dublin. Not, n- never, never getting an invite on at this podcast. However, Dion Dublin 
highly successful goal scorer in his career. Not so much for Celtic, but um, <laughs> just a wee dig there because he's not coming on the podcast. <laughs> but Dion Dublin is in the top 100 English Premier League scorers of all time. Ten others pulled on the Celtic jersey. Can you name them? So the top 100 Premier League scorers of all time. There's your starter for 10, Dion Dublin. There are 10 others. Chris Sutton. Correct. John Hartson. Yes. Craig Bellamy. Yes. Robbie Keane. Yes. Four. Oh, I know. I know what. We discussed them very recently as well. Mr. Chicken tonight, Ian Wright. Yes, correct. Well done, number five. He is the second top scorer of any of them with 113. The top is someone you've already got, Robbie Keane, 126. So there's 10 players? Mm, Matt Viduka? Yes. Oh, yes. Paolo? Yes, well done. That's seven. Is there an old stalwart we're forgetting about? Oh, there's a a Celtic legend in there from from the dialect era. Carlton? Yes. Oh, <laughs> and, and that's who I was thinking of. <laughs> Carlton Cole oh. is in there with 52 goals. Would the lowest scoring of yeah. any of them, as you can probably imagine. Two to go. Goes back to the wording of the question. <laughs> what was the wording of the question? Other than Dion Dublin, 10 players have pulled on the Celtic jersey in the in the top 100 scorers. Was it charity games then? You bastard. <laughs> Berbatov. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I tricked you guys. Well done. <laughs> you just wanted a mention for Berbatov. Yeah, mention for one of my favourite players of all time. Berbatov is in there with 94 goals. Of course, he played in the match for cancer. Oh no, the, the Stilling Petrov game he from the, many years ago. Yeah, yeah, top, that's he? right. So we're counting players who <laughs> can't wait to Chick Charnley comes up as a, as a quiz question on I this podcast. I did say it in the, the wording of the question. Martin Comston then, he played in that game. Martin Comston is not one of the Premier League's <laughs> all time top scorers. So is it another one that's played in a charity game? Yes, the same game. I'm going to need to put a time on you now, guys. You've got 30 seconds to oh, get... Oh, is it something to do with Villa then? 30 seconds to get it or I win all the points. It wasn't Darren Bent, was it? No. Nope. Uh, Louis Fee. Andy Cole? No. No. Don't know. Pass. Gabby Agbonlahor. Oh. Banging. <laughs> 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 Who played in the same game as, as Dermotard Bebatov. As we record this, it is the 29th of April, 2019. Let me ask you a question, Stephen. What year is it? Is it the 2019th year, <laughs> or is it the 2018th year, or the 2020th year? It's the 2020th year, I think. Is that no, how that incorrect. Works? Right. It was the Earth was billions of years old. <laughs> of course, it is the billionth year. Um, on this day, obviously, Celtic have a rich. I'm doing that thing where chefs kiss their finger. Salt <laughs> bay. Uh, no, not salt bay. The, the more traditional. Right, okay. mm, the Muppet chef. Uh, the Muppet chef. Right. I'm kissing my fingers. Um, on this, Celtic have a rich, rich history of. Pumping the Huns. <laughs> um, you could take your pick 3 0 at Ibrox back in 2001. Oh, Maravchik, two yeah. goals in that one, yeah. 3 yeah. 0 at Celtic Park in the year 2012. Chuckles McGrew died Chuckle, in that. Old Chuckles McGrew. 5 1 at Ibrox in 2017. Oh. Beast it right into me. That one was of the best days of my life. Oh. Joshua Klitschko that night as well. Lustig and Boyata scored in that game, I'm okay. pretty sure, yeah. 5 0 at Celtic Park in 2018. Bend over and take it. <laughs> Credit to Focus on Celtic, the great Twitter account for that, because it, he tweets every day that the, the kind of on yeah. this day stuff, and I was like, no way these all happened on the same day, surely, but uh, uh, sure enough, the 29th of April, every single one of those happened. Happy anniversary to any Huns listening. <laughs> so what does that give us, a 16-1 on aggregate over those games? <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, Melly, if I have to press you for one of your favourites on that day, I think you've already told us. Uh, oh, I go with a 5-1. 
has to be beaten. Yeah, iBrooks are oh, definitely beaten hands five one iBrooks absolutely delicious. Spread it on toast like butter. Obviously, I sat and watched every single one, <laughs> every single one of them as the highlights came through. And just when you see the five 0 game from last year, I think the fifth goal was scored in the fifty second minute. I wanted more. Yeah, I wanted well, more. Let me ask you this: playing Rangers in two weeks. Yeah, a week on Sunday. Yeah, so two weeks. <laughs> We're playing Rangers in two weeks' time. Think we'll get a five dollar, a five one in that game? No. I'd bloody love a five dollar. <laughs> <laughs> if we're only if we're just guessing, we might as well say yes. But no, I don't see it happening at all. Stephen, your favourite out of that bunch? Oh, I can't disagree. Definitely the five one game. That some of the goals in that, especially Lustig getting a getting a goal and then running away with his top over his head. Fine, fine memories, but really they were all great. The first one. At Ibrox, the, the 3-0 game with oh, Ravchik scoring those two goals back in 2001 after having been... Henrik's 50th that day as well. Oh, of course, yeah. His 50th birthday in which he scored, <laughs> in which he scored at Ibrox. <laughs> as much as I did love the 5-0 game, I have to say that the, the 3-0 from 2012 held the... Uh, oh, you're a big Chuckles fan, aren't you? Big Chuckles fan. Big Coleman Neil scored on that as well, didn't he? Yeah, big, yeah. big Neil Lane fan. That's not, that's not why. That's not why. Do you know why that game is so special to me? That was the last ever Old, old Firm, firm game. Oh, yeah. of course, so it was, yeah. We buried them six feet under right after that, and that was the one the Green Brigade Green had the big banner. Banners. Absolutely sensational stuff. We more or less buried yeah. Rangers six foot under. Yes, and uh, we also scored from a corner that day. Chris <laughs> 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 that... Collins into Charlie McGrew. Probably, uh, probably a couple of players that were playing in that game that are still at the club getting a game I, and obviously because Rangers went into administration and later died they were deducted <laughs> 10 points so they were 21 points but that was a special game glory days Neil Fair Lennon me. was so lucky to be Celtic man. Neil Lennon as Celtic manager when Rangers died <laughs> like that is the stuff of nightmares no wonder it's still haunting them and that's why it could all be good if Neil Lennon is the man that buries them and then lifts the tent right in front no, of them no no not for me so have you not heard the rumour I've got a couple of rumours for you if you want to, you want me to divulge some rumours here By all means. They're, Fire away. they're all over the internet just now but I did hear them a wee while ago I have heard that um, that I'll just come out and say it I'm not going to do one of these guys that, oh I heard a whisper that a mouse said to a squirrel no um, <laughs> apparently this is the rumour Dermot Desmond has spoken to Mourinho about what? about uh, being the Celtic manager and he's also spoken to Rafa Benitez <laughs> But how best to trim your moustache. <laughs> no, he's he spoken. The rumour is, Stephen, before you bulk at it. Um, I, I was mid-bulk. You were, I saw you inhaling to bulk. Um, <laughs> the rumour is that he's spoken to one of them twice and one of them once. I can't remember which way around it was as well. Um, Rafa in, new striker in as well. Free transfer. Danny Welbeck. Uh, uh-huh. out there, that's what I want. Oh, well, we've got enough crocs in the team. <laughs> Dermot Desmond must play some amount of golf, by the way, because every oh. day is like he's been playing two hundred holes of golf with like these <laughs> various European managers. Well, what he does is he starts on the first tee, plays the eighteenth, right, and then starts on the first again, and they just wheel managers in to talk to him <laughs> as he's playing golf. Because that's how he does the interview process. But listen, that's the rumor. You you can have that one. I love yeah. the the Photoshop of um, Peter Lovell sitting at a table yes. with Jose Mourinho, uh, looking like. Jose Mourinho is probably about 2010 then. Yeah. <laughs> Some deal if they can pull that off, get 2010 Jose Mourinho at the club right now. I thought that was particularly unfair on Peter Lowell because they had that the bit under the neck, the jolly. Yeah, jolly. Mr. Toad. <laughs> That's that face again. Um, from one manager, Stephen, to another. Uh, now, we have done a podcast. It's available 
on iTunes. They're a classic match companion for the 1967 European Cup final. It's available there for anyone that wants to listen to it. Undoubtedly, the most famous match of Celtic's history. We don't even need to go into it. It was the match that made both Bella McNeil and Stevie Chalmers icons and immortal. Yeah. But Billy McNeil did return to the club and he did create some other history that isn't spoken about quite as often. Well, he returned uh, as manager in the late 80s and the centenary season to replace the outgoing Davy Hay uh, at the, the beginning of the season. That, that was a season, the centenary season. It's a, it's a series of podcasts in itself. We're not going to yeah. delve too deeply into that, but it was a season that started off in turmoil. New manager, Billy McNeil, came in to... To salvage it, really. Big players had left. Brian McClare had left. Uh, Murdo McLeod had gone. Mo, John, Mo Johnston had, uh, <coughs> yeah, he'd, left it, he'd left as well. And Billy McNeil had a, a rebuilding job on his hands. Against, a wedding job on his hands? Yeah, against the Huns that were about to basically take over the world in Scottish football terms. They had Graeme Souness, they'd signed all these English internationals. Um, and they were heavily favoured at the start of that season. Can I just say... Best Celtic home strip ever. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, that, the absolute, absolute classic with the the little button collar and the the, the new, Celtic the, cross. Yeah, the Celtic cross badge. That Huns team didn't fare too well, but did they finish third in the league? Hearts, yeah, yeah. Hearts finished second. Now a lot of people complain about having footballers having so many games. Forty four games the teams played that season. <laughs> a twelve team league. That's right. Yeah. Celtic won it by ten points in the end, so comfortable winners of the league. But that's not what we're talking about, is it, Steve? No, I thought now that. Um, Billy is sadly no longer with us. I thought it might be nice to, to nod to one of his finest achievements as manager. Um, he'd won leagues prior to this, but um, this was the arguably the most special trophy that they won under his management. It was the the Scottish Cup final that clinched the double in the mm. centenary season. Celtic's first double since 1977. Yeah, that's yes. right. It's, it's quite hard to imagine, being the age that we are at this podcast, that, and probably more so for people younger than us, that there was just vast swathes of years that were barren for oh, something yeah, definitely. about and this thing. After this again as well, this yeah. uh, the following year, this wasn't the last trophy Bill McNeil won as manager because they won the cup the following season that prevented the Huns winning their first treble and on this, this run they eventually went on. After that, they didn't win another thing for six years, the 1995 Scottish Cup, which we have also covered in a yes. podcast. But this game, this, the Scottish Cup final, it's on YouTube. I would urge everyone to go and check it out. It's It's... It's proper 80s. It's, like, it's, like, it's, it's an amazing day. It's like the sun's absolutely scorching. scorching. Let down slightly the occasion by the fact that Maggie Thatcher was the guest of honour at the cup final. I don't know who came up with that idea. Some hun in the Because they obviously thought Rangers were going were <laughs> to make it. So. How could you, I'm trying to think of anything that could happen today that would be more unpopular than having Jimmy Maggie Bell. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Bell. Jimmy but Bell handed out Celtic's treble winning. You could hardly you could hardly come up with anyone who would be more reviled in history than Maggie Thatcher to wheel out at a Scottish Cup final. Uh, N- Nigel Farage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this <laughs> this year's <trail. laughs> The disappointing thing about this is she dishes out the trophy, she hands the trophy Roy Aitken. Roy Aitken wipes his hand before it. Does it? Like, she wouldn't be doing that, Roy. 
Should have stuck it in the back of his shorts <laughs> and shaking hands. But the bitches my dad called her handing mm. over the trophy. The, the Celtic fans and other presumably the United fans, because she wasn't a popular figure in Scotland at all at this time, they had a bit of a protest. Yes. Red cards, yeah. They all brought they all brought red cards to the game to show them to Maggie Thatcher. And I still can't believe they went through with that. Honestly. <laughs> and chance of stick your poll tax up your ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a woman you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> There's a brilliant video on YouTube. Uh, aside from the game, there's a brilliant video about the the build up to the game. It's the, it's that proper like '80s coverage. It's Jim White on the team bus, you know, kind of standing, w- wobbling <laughs> about in between the the two aisles of seats. Jim White's moustache in it though. Oh, he, yeah. he, he's like something at narcos. <laughs> absolutely brilliant. He he was a CDCD looking <laughs> man, wasn't he? Still is. But yeah, uh, Billy McNeil, one of his his finest achievements as manager. Go into the game. Packy Bonner was injured, Peter Grant was injured, and Billy McNeil said in um, Douglas Beatty's excellent book, Happy Birthday Dear Celtic, that it was one of the hardest things he had to do in management was telling Peter Grant he couldn't play in the game because he, much like the 1995 Scottish Cup final that we talked about, Peter Grant was desperate to play in it and he's trying to play injured and basically Billy McNeil had to tell him, you can't do it mate, obviously Peter Grant bursts into tears at this point, he's desperate to play. Kevin Gallagher scored for Dundee United. Yeah, he opened the scoring just after half time. A good uh, Clyde Bank boy, yes. Kevin Gallagher, and also grandson of the Celtic legend Patsy Gallagher. Honestly, yeah, yeah he is. Um, I, I actually grew up in the same street as Kevin Gallagher's family. It was wasn't his family, but it was his brother's family. Um, and Kevin Gallagher used to used to come round. I'd be dead starstruck because he went on to play for Blackburn and win the league with them. Yeah. It's pure starstruck. There's a Scotland striker there, so I'd be. I'd be at the back garden doing keepy-ups and step-overs trying to get discovered. <laughs> As if Kevin Gallagher's going to be in the house with like, that. Oh, Kenny Dalglish, you know that average 12-year-old you've been looking for? Check this out. <laughs> Gallagher's goal! Oh, what a superb goal! Oh, that was a, a piece of great acceleration by the youngster. Through he went. Aiken could not catch on the net was... Dropped away with the greatest of confidence. We've played four minutes. United are in the lead to the delight of that throng of United supporters under the enclosure. Obviously, Kevin Gallagher had opened the scoring. Um, a good Tim as well, one of our own. He took advantage of some poor play from Celtic to outpace Roy Aiken and slam a cracking goal. In fairness yeah. to him, it was the best goal of the game. Uh, all the goals are... They're not great goals, are they? <laughs> Proper 80s goals yeah, as well. It's just it's sort of second balls and that sort of thing, misplaced headers and that, but good goals. McAvenny, the ball comes in from, is it Chris Morris crosses from the left? Anton Rogan. Is it Anton yeah. Rogan? Uh, funnily enough, this is the game that Brendan Rodgers got wrong, isn't it? He said about Frank McGarvey scoring when he got the games wrong at that. Oh, I didn't sitting. know that. Yes. Oh, for God's sake. So he's uh, <laughs> the guy named his son after Antoine Rogan crosses the ball in and Frankie Boy gets in front of the Dundee United. The Dundee United, Jim McLean was manager, so they were a good team at that yeah, point. Yeah. Uh, the them, Aberdeen, Hearts and Rangers. So it's it was a good a, league. It was yeah. a good league. Uh, Frank McAvenny gets in front of the defender and scores and then gets that winner as well, didn't he? Well, the first goal, funnily enough, this was just after Billy McNeil had made two subs. He had talked before the game about how he thought it was going to come down to 13 players. And sure enough, he was right because he brings on Mark McGee and Billy Stark. Friend of the podcast. Yes, uh, <laughs> um, he brings brings them both on and Mark McGee made his presence felt at the goal by getting in the way of the keeper, allowing Frank McAvenny to score. Over the far side, he is Rogan. That's a better one. Macavenny 
equaliser for Celtic. It looked on the cards all the way through there. A little jink to the line and over it came. And bang, a good opportunist goal there by McAvenny. The, the winner, the winner's a thing of... of Beauty. <laughs> it's like, it's three miss hits and then or two miss hits and then Frank McAvenny shins it over the line, but they all count and scenes. Yeah, last it, minute. It's something we talked about earlier on. There's just there's these occasions where Celtic just need to win and that's that was another one they they had to win the league on the centenary season despite the fact that they were up against it with this this new Rangers revolution. And they went out and won the double. The lower one this time. his hands free of sweat and receives the cup from the Prime Minister watching a scene of course this is the, the game with the, the famous Tommy Burns mm. celebration, the, the famous image of him dropping to his knees and, and doing the kind of prayer hands and all that and he was interviewed immediately after the game Celtic Scottish Cup champions, how do you feel? Oh Jim I just want to say hello to my wife. Tell her much I love her and my children. And if you John Paul Connor who's in the hospital, I love you and I'll be up to see you Monday. You've, you've, done, you've done the double, Tommy. Did you oh, think Jim, it was always on? Jim, you don't realise how much I wanted this. When people look back 100 years from now, I'll be in the team done a double. Why do you leave it so late? You left it so late again. I'm going to get entertainment for money, sir. What is so special, Tommy, about this Celtic support? What did they mean to Tommy Burns? What's so special about them right here, Jim? Just right up there, that's what's so special about them. They're there and they're always there. And God bless everyone. Did you feel they kept you at Dundee yeah, United? So they kept Jim, you going? If we'd been another team and they'd get beat one nothing today, they don't allow defeat. They didn't allow defeat against Hearts. They certainly didn't allow defeat against the United today. They're absolutely incredible. The double in Celtic's centenary oh, year. Nice, Jim. You, you celebrate tonight. Oh, I don't worry about that. Sorry, cheers. You can buy me a drink. And it was just one of these like, really emotional moments. We we covered the 95 Scottish Cup final for a podcast and we talked about how it's, it's always the same people. Now, this is seven years before that Scottish Cup final and it's the same people that are involved, that, that are on the pitch and greeting and all that. It's like mm. Tommy Burns, Peter Grant and Paul McStay. Seven years apart, it's the same three people. Billy Stark comes on as a sub as well and he was the assistant to Tommy Burns in the 95 yeah. final. But obviously, this week of all weeks for Celtic fans has been full of quotes, memorable sayings from Billy McNeil throughout his history and this the, the evening after this game is no different he said there is a fairy tale about this club and tonight it's almost as if it has once again come true there's an ingredient about this club which you can't quite put into words I think it goes back to the very early days I think it was founded for the very right reasons and I think those reasons are still with us this was a this, this was an iconic game in more than, more than one sense yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's a great quote from Elon you heard that there was a lot of people talking about that with Jozo scored at the weekend there yeah. how, how there's a fairy tale there's there's another great quote for Billy McNeil and it's quite prescient this week uh, after all of the discussed he says I don't think I'll be here in another 100 years time but I think these lads will be remembered and I'm delighted for them 
And he's absolutely right. Yeah. And, and there's moments like this that makes supporting Celtic so special. Imagine the guy that's lifted the <laughs> European Cup as captain saying he's delighted for these boys. He's delighted for uh, Mark McGee and, <laughs> and Anton Rogan. And, uh, yeah. and on that somewhat melancholy note, a bit of a strange podcast this week, we will end on any other business. Melly. Hey, yes, our friends, the History Boys Abroad, done a, a great podcast on Billy McNeil just the other day, so you can check that out. I listened to it. It's very good and tells a lot of the stories. It uh, goes into a bit more depth than us. And as for us, Stephen, we have a, a Patreon. Uh, I think we, <laughs> we had a look back. How many podcasts have we put out this month? 14. 14. This will be the 15th, actually, yeah. The 15th podcast of the month. That, so that is, aside from the regular weekly iTunes well, podcast. Well, that's including four of these, actually. Yeah, yeah so. um, we've been putting out a lot of Patreon content most recently. We had Melly at the match. Yes, joined um, by Sean. Joined by Sean McDonald. That is our instant reaction podcast. Yes. After every home match, we have Melly record a podcast for us, and that goes out right away. And we're also recording this week. Yeah, we've got the treble tier phone in coming up. Um... This, that'll be out this Friday. We've also had uh, Breakfast of Champions, which is the new podcast we've been doing, where this week, you know, um, it wasn't planned that way, but I basically had my own little personal tribute to Billy McNeil. It was just a couple of days after he died. Um, that's been going over over pretty well as well. Fantasy football podcast as well, my, myself that's and hot, That's hotting up. How's yeah. it, how is the fantasy football looking? I currently say... Set- can I just say, I have warned you both that you were set up to be ringers. <laughs> and if you don't win this tournament... From my current position in 67th, oh, which, is, which is a fitting number. Nah, you're not getting away with that. <laughs> I'm saying, Melly, Melly. I, de- I deliberately finished 67th <laughs> in the league. No, Melly, no, Melly no, impressed no. me. What, you first? You, how many points clear are you at the top? Tell me. Boys, you will not believe it. Stephen of 67th, guess where I am? You better not be 88th. I am 5th. 567, oh. it's, it's all in the stars. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, you're not, <laughs> we're not romancing your way out of this one. Yeah, but from 67th, I reckon I, it's now time to concede the title. He's <laughs> <laughs> it's a mathematically out of your reach. It's um, within tangible reach, Stephen, yeah. you can do it. So that is the fantasy football podcast that we're running this year, where someone, not Melly, obviously, will be winning a, a Celtic home shirt, or yep. a wee shirt, or Celtic kit of their choice. Um so the Patreon, for those of you who don't know, um, it is a subscription service and there are we have two tiers. One is $2.50, which is about a current exchange rate, £1.70 odd like that, yeah. a month. And for that, you basically get a lot of extra content. You yeah. get the New Year's, the documentary that we're doing. You get Melly the Match, our instant reaction pod. You get interviews when we have them, yeah. match companions, historic match companions. Fantasy football. Fantasy football. All that good stuff is in the, the second $2.50 tier. We have a higher tier, which is the $5 tier. We call it the treble. You get all of that mentioned. You get your mug. Um, yeah, yeah, the much sought after mug. We will send you one of those in the post. Um, you get the Friday night phone in and yes. you get the breakfast of champions. Plus plus more. We're, yeah. we're always working away on various other bits but, and pieces. But rest assured, we're not resting on the laurels. We have big things planned for the Patreon over the next coming weeks and especially in the next season. Thanks to everyone who has signed up for that already. We are currently over 700 subscribers to that. So thanks to everyone who has subscribed to that. Um, if you haven't yet subscribed, what is your problem? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Stephen. No, I'm only getting there. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Just do it. You'll feel good you did it. We'll feel good you did it. Get down with the Patreon. And those of you who just enjoy the iTunes podcast, we thank you very much for all your support. We thank you for listening. I know you're... I quite enjoy a funny iTunes review. (laughs) Yes. Some of those are good. Not the offensive ones, thanks. (laughs) Um, Oh, you can offend me if you're going to leave us five stars. You can write, Jamie is a shit, but (laughs) but give us five stars. Um, But most of all, just thanks for listening.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.